Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Uh, Acts chapter 16. Phenomenal passage here. Paul's on his second missionary journey. And he comes into Philippi. He's been prevented by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, into going into Asia and Bithynia. Gets to Troas, has the Macedonian vision, and he ends up coming into Philippi, where he goes down to the river, and there's a group of people there, one in particular that are praying, Lydia. The Lord opens her heart. She has tuned herself in to listen to the word of God, and she believes she's saved her household. And so Paul's there. Paul's in Philippi. He's under the direction of the Lord. He's doing what God has said for him to do. He is proclaiming the gospel. Now he's in this passage that we're going to look at. He's on his way back to the river, to the place of prayer. And he runs into a little bit of an obstacle. Have you ever run into an obstacle? (laughs) Maybe not quite like this one but an obstacle nonetheless. I'm going to take this passage in two parts. It goes really through the rest of chapter 16. We're going to deal with the the satanic confrontation that Paul goes through here, leading to he and Silas being persecuted. And then next week we're going to look at the salvation of the jailer and his household. One of the most famous statements, I think, in the Bible. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a beautiful question. But this morning, look at uh, Acts chapter 16. Start with verse 16. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now, as we get into this, this is an interesting statement that Luke records for us. You'll notice the we and the us. Luke is with them. This is a firsthand account of what's going on. Paul and Silas, obviously, they're the ones that we see ending up with being uh, beaten with rods. But Luke's there too. Evidently, Timothy is along with them as well. They've seen God at work already in Lydia, in Lydia's household, coming to know Christ. It says they were going to the place of prayer, which was by the river. That's where they had been before. And they're met by a slave girl who has a spirit of divination. As we get into this, let me ask you this question, because I think this is essential to understand. We we just sang it. We won't be moved. We're going to stand Right In the midst of life and in the midst of all the circumstances we go through and the people that we come uh, in touch with and in contact with, whether it's at work or maybe even in your own family or what, maybe it's a neighbor, wherever. There are people all around that are hurting, that are lost, that don't have hope, and they need the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as we start looking into this, the question really comes to my mind, are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to pay the price so that others may hear the good news? We have it. We love it. We love to sing about it. We love to talk about it. We love to go to classes about it. 
Well, maybe not all of you like to go to classes about it. Some of you need to. But the point is, is we love this message. Is the message being seen through our lives? Monday through Saturday. Are we willing to share the gospel no matter what opposition we come into? What sacrifice are we willing to pay so that somebody may come to know Christ? Well, this girl is demon, and I would put it this way just because this is the way we normally put it. She's demon-possessed. It says, having a spirit of divination. Interesting, the word divination here is actually the word python. Now, that says a lot, right? She's able to supposedly tell people's fortune, what's going to happen in the future. She's making her masters a lot of money about this with this quote-unquote gift. The spirit of Python was a belief system in Greece. It goes right to the whole uh, belief system with regard to their gods. Apollos had evidently come and supposedly killed this serpent, Python, that was guarding the oracle of Delphi. And so ladies like this, Individuals like this, they, they were indwelt with what they would call a spirit of python. The ability to somehow share an oracle or share what was going to happen in somebody's life. To tell somebody their fortune. To give them advice. And people would pay large amounts of money for this. What we have is a belief system clash. Paul has come in. This team has come in. They've been sent by God. God has worked already through them. Lydia has come to know Christ. The gospel is now making a foothold into this arena, which is strategic to the rest of Greece. And Satan doesn't like it. Notice, Paul didn't go looking for this girl says a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. You think that was accidental? I don't think so. I think Satan knows exactly what he's doing. Darkness is always trying to put out light, but what, it, what darkness always finds and is frustrated by is that light puts out darkness all the time. See, this is something God orchestrates. This is something God allows. God is looking for a way in order that through Paul and Silas, the gospel would be proclaimed through this entire region. And so he allows this girl who is having a spirit of divination, a spirit of python, to meet them. And Satan is trying to put this message down before it can take root before it can take hold. You know, I don't think that's too much different than in today's world. Right? We, we have maybe not people so much uh, possessed, but we have a world system. I'm saying there are possessions, there are people that are possessed, but we have a world system that has set itself up against the knowledge of God, the one true God. And we as believers are always wrestling with this truth battle. Where do, we, where do we fall on this? Do we believe the, the word of God and the one true God? Or are we believing something else? 
Is there another belief system that we've bought into, that we're looking towards for, with regard to wisdom in terms of how we should be living our lives? We do this all the time. Do we go to the Word of God to find the answer? Do we go in prayer to Christ and through His Word seek His wisdom, His counsel? Or are we buying into something else that the world wants to sell us because it appeals to our flesh? This happens all the time. She was making her owners a lot of money. And in verse 17, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days. The word following here is present tense. It means all the time, incessantly, constantly. She met them. Now she's following them. Everywhere Paul and Silas and the team goes, here she comes. Kept crying out. Has the idea again of something that's constantly happening. She didn't just do it one time. She did it over and over and over and over again as she's tracking with them no matter where they go. And it says over a period of many days. So it wasn't just on one day, it wasn't something that went away, it was something constant, barraging, all the time. The word crazo has the idea of crying out harshly. You can almost hear it in the word itself, crazo. There's this crying out, screaming. These individuals would have been on drugs, they'd be taking things that we don't want to go into. They'd sometimes foam at the mouth when they were giving their oracles. They would do all kinds of crazy fits with their bodies. So you can see Paul and Silas and the team walking through, praying about where is God leading, where is God guiding. We're here to share the good news of the freedom in Christ Jesus because of the salvation that he provides through what he did for us at the cross. And here comes this girl with the spirit of Python, foaming at the mouth, crying out, doing all types of contortion over and over and over and over again. It's interesting, isn't it, that what she said is actually true. You catch that? These are servants of the Most High God. Well, that's true. Who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Guess what? That's true. Does that strike you as a little weird? I, I, I wonder if our, in our day and age, we put our arm around the, the, the girl and say, wow, you, that's right, you're good, that's good, you keep going. Paul's annoyed. And I don't like that word annoyed, but that's the translation. It's not like Paul's looking at this girl going, oh, I can't, here she comes again, dadgummit. Get her out of here. Timothy, you're the intern, your job. Get her out. That's not what, that's not the idea. Annoyed means disturbed, grieved. I put my word into this brokenhearted because she's enslaved. She's saying something true. Why is it that Paul has to deal with this? Why is it that God prompts Paul? Why is it that his spirit within him is grieved over this situation? And I would suggest to you it's pretty simple. Truth is truth. 
But when somebody has a spirit of python, when somebody says that they know the future, when somebody says that they're speaking for God and they don't know God at all, there's a tendency for people to get confused. And they look at Paul and Silas and the message of the gospel of Christ, and then they look at this girl and the message of divination that she has, and they say, whatever. Doesn't matter who you believe in. You can believe in any God as long as it's sincere and as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do. We're confused. We're tired of it. So just keep on going. Just another day in the multi-religious nonsense of the world. You catch it? Paul recognizes this lady's not my spokesperson and there is a one true God and he's more powerful than this spirit of Python, this demon. And as a result, he turns to her and he casts this demon out in the name of Jesus. Zane Hodges puts it this way. The power of the name of Jesus Christ must now be vindicated as supreme over the dark supernatural powers which enslaved the Gentiles. The girl's cry makes this imperative. Otherwise, the Gentiles may conceive of Jesus as simply another of the numerous supernatural beings whom they ought to fear. Got it? Jesus is just one of many gods. He's one of the paths And as long as you do what you're supposed to do, and as long as the good outweighs the bad, you're good. Really? That's where Paul steps in, and he's grieved. He sees that this girl is enslaved, and he's come to preach a message of hope and freedom. He sees that she's being used by these men. They don't care a whit about this girl. All they care about is the money that she affords them. They care about the proclamation of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they know that all these people are listening to this. And there's confusion. And so they want to make sure that Jesus Christ is stood for in truth. Who orchestrated this? God did. Paul didn't go looking for this girl. Paul didn't go looking for this circumstance. Paul didn't go trying to find how he could confront Satan. Paul's just simply following God moment by moment, day by day. And God allows this because the Lord orchestrates this confrontation between light and darkness because guess what? The Lord knows who's going to win that one. But you have to be willing Paul had to be willing. Paul had to be a vessel that is willing. Silas had to be a vessel that is willing. And they are. He commands them, commands this demon to come out. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. In the name of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 20 and 21 says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Speaking of the demonic principalities, Jesus is far above. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 
Paul writes, For this reason also God highly exalted him, speaking of Christ, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name above every name. When's the last time you were out in the public square and God put on your heart to witness, to share with somebody, to say something to somebody about Jesus. Steph and I were over at Walgreens a week and a half ago or something. It was at night, and we were picking up something and got in the line. And I just looked at the lady that was checking us out, right? Not checking us out, but checking us out. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're awake. (laughs) But I had, I I don't know, it just went through a whole series of thoughts in my mind about this woman. I I wondered what her story was. I wondered whether she knew the Lord. She had a uh, cross on. She had a necklace on with a cross. I wondered what she believed about Jesus. She was about four foot nothing. And she was a little bit older. I won't say old because some of you are her age and you're not old. So we'll just say a little older, okay? But in my heart, I was a little bit grieved because I thought, I wonder where this husband is. I wonder where the family is. I didn't see a ring. And she's working at night. And the Lord put on my heart, tell her Jesus loves her. (laughs) Come on, have you been there? And my my thought was, oh, Lord, yeah, it's Walgreens. It's okay. Now, don't look at me that way. You all do the same thing. And I, I started to battle in my mind about this. Tell her Jesus loves her. And right as I was battling about that, she's checking us out. She's about to be finished. A guy walks in. He's all tatted up. And he's buying some alcohol, and he's standing two feet away. And I thought, ah, great, you know, good. Now we got something here. And the Lord convicted me. It was like, no, don't just say God loves her. Don't just say the Lord bless you. Say Jesus loves you. So I'm, I'm thankful that I submitted to the Lord in this, right? And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, Jesus loves you. And she looked at me. It got her attention because she was looking down. She's four foot nothing. She's about here. <laughs> and she looks up at me and she goes, I know. I thought, praise God. Do you go through that in your mind? You know, it's amazing when when we say the name Jesus, there's something different about that. It's all politically correct to say God loves you and God bless you. I mean, at least it still is a little bit. We're getting into a range where we're not sure anymore, right? But we, we feel more comfortable doing that or the Lord bless you. But suddenly when we bring the name Jesus into this, something changes, doesn't it? It does. And I believe it's because that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus because Jesus is 
the Lord. He's the Savior. He came and he gave his life so that people might be rescued out of this kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light, that we could be brought near by his blood. There's something in what Jesus has done that Satan and the dominions of this world absolutely detest. And when we bring the name Jesus into the conversation, things change. The question is, we just sang it, are we willing to stand firm? Are we willing to die to self? Are we willing to count the cost? Are we willing to give it all so that Christ through us might be glorified in whatever way he chooses to do that? What's the result Verse 19, Paul has turned to this girl. He's grieved in his spirit. He commands the spirit to come out. The spirit at that very moment comes out because there's there's nothing that can stand in the way of Christ, in the way of Jesus. In verse 19, when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion being Jews and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. What's motivating them? I would suggest it's greed. You know, when we take a stand for Christ in the public sphere, when we take a stand for the Lord and his truth and his way, your business may suffer for it. You may come against people that are trying to make a buck through unethical means, and all of a sudden, they come against you. That's what's happening here. All they care about is money. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve money and God at the same time. You're going to either serve one or the other. And I think it's time for believers everywhere in this nation to make that decision. You're going to serve money or you're going to serve God? Are you willing to sacrifice it all? Knowing that eternity is way better than we could ever even imagine. Or are we going to play the game down here? There's times where when we take a stand for Christ, there is immediate opposition to it. And that's what's happening here. They lie. They have a little bit of a truth in this. They are Jewish individuals. They are Jewish men. If they had taken a little bit of time to look into the facts of what's going on, they would have recognized that they weren't the ones throwing this city into confusion. But they don't do that. They use money. They use race. They use the idea that we're going to lose our Roman privilege against Paul and Silas. And that would have been significant because they are a colony of Rome. They had been given special rights. And if Rome had come in and said, well, you as leaders, as magistrates, you're not able to lead your city. You're not keeping the peace. We're going to remove from you this special privilege. It would have cost them even more money because they had special tax breaks as a result. They had all kinds of privileges. So it's a significant threat that these individuals are bringing against Paul and Silas. Unfortunately, clearly they weren't true. But they don't look into it. As a result of the charge in verse 22, it says, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. 
And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a man, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They were beaten with rods. It's not till later that they were actually cleaned, washed by the jailer. They were put into stocks. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize this, but it was almost a rack. In other words, it was another instrument of torture. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to make sure you stay here. It's, we're going to make sure you stay here, and you're very much in pain while you're there. Stretched them out. Uncomfortable position. Their backs have been beaten. They have their clothes torn off. This mob rushes upon them. They're beaten mercilessly. They're thrown into jail. The jailer's told, put them in the inner place. Why? Because we want these guys to make sure they're secure. You better not lose them. And so he puts them in stocks that are like racks. I can't imagine the pain they were in. I can't imagine what they were going through in their mind. We'll look at it next week. But the amazing thing is, what do they do? They began to sing. (laughs) Is that not cool? They begin to sing. And all the prisoners are listening. Phenomenal. Why did they go through this? They were willing to declare the gospel. They were willing to stand for the faith and see a demonically possessed girl freed. They were willing to take a stand for the truth of the reality of the one true God who has a name above all other names. Let me give you five things out of this. First of all, we are in a spiritual war. Do we understand that? This is a spiritual war. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and verse 14 says, Do this knowing the time. It's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. He's speaking to believers, writing to believers. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And in verse 14, he tells us what to do. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Wake up. Wake up. Know the time. Understand what's going on. We're in a spiritual war. I I don't have these, but I I like those uh, Bose um, noise-canceling headphones. Do you? I mean, have you ever gone to the store and put them on? They're amazing. (laughs) I hate plane rides. I specifically hate long plane rides. And you know what I want to do on a plane? Because I just want to get through it. I'm going to go to sleep. And I like putting those things on. Whatever I've got. I've got some noise-canceling ones not quite as good as Bose. But I put them on. Click that little button. The light comes on. And everything is numb. Everything's quiet. I can't even hear what the waitress is saying or the the stewardess is saying with regard to the food. I I don't know what she's saying. i got to take it off. What? What? (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if that's what we use the things of the world to do. We go home, shut the garage door, turn on the TV. There's a lot of college basketball on right now. Not against college basketball. Go Duke. Oh, come on. Those were the non-cowboy fans in the... Yeah. 
But don't we like our comfort? And has our comfort gotten us to the point where we're numb? And it's like we've put on those earphones and we're just wanting to get through. And we're not, we, we don't care about what's going on around us as long as we're okay. We're in a spiritual war. Secondly, Satan is our enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Did you catch that? Our struggle, our wrestling, our striving is not against flesh and blood. People. Can people buy into belief systems that cause us harm? Yes, they can. Look what happened to Paul and Silas. But what's behind it? A belief system that has its origins in Satan himself. Truth systems that are really not truth. Ways of thinking about how to live and how to walk on this earth that are not from God. Deceived. Let's make sure that we recognize that our enemy is Satan and his demonic forces. Let's also make sure, point number three, that God is greater God is greater. 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Hold on to that. Yes, we're in a war. Yes, it's against Satan and his demonic forces, but greater is he that lives in us than he that is in this world. Don't let go of that. That's truth. Don't cower backwards. Stand firm. Because God is God, and Satan is a defeated foe. Are we walking in that truth? Are we living that truth? Are we acknowledging the reality of that truth every day, every moment of every day? Fourthly, are we willing to undergo persecution for the salvation of others? I I think this is an amazing verse, 2 Timothy 3.12. Paul, in his last letter, about to be martyred, writing to Timothy says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. Do we need to fear that? No, in fact, the Lord makes it very clear. If you're persecuted for my name's sake, do what? Rejoice! Because you know you're my children. You're mine. John chapter 15, verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you. This is the Lord saying this. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. If they persecuted the Lord, why are we shocked when that happens to us? When when the government doesn't seem to go the way that we think it ought to go. Are, Are we shocked by that? Folks, we're living in the end times. We need to wake up. We need to recognize God is greater. We need to recognize we're in a satanic war that Jesus has already won. And the question is, day by day, are we saying, Lord, here's our lives. 
And no matter what comes, no matter what's done, it's okay. Because we know who wins. And we understand that you're the victor. Lastly, are we trusting in the Lord to orchestrate our circumstances for his glory? Paul and Silas are just walking and they're going to the place of prayer. And they're swept up into this whole thing. Are we trusting the Lord to orchestrate our circumstances for his glory? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, and then 12 speak to this with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. What's the Lord constantly working toward in our lives? Not only to transform us, but that all things would be summed up in Christ. And verse 12, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory to the praise of his glory, the true identity of who he is being recognized in and through our attitudes, our actions, the choices that we make day by day, the testimony that we're willing to share when God leads us to share it, even when persecution comes, that there is an absolute bedrock belief in the fact that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead and that changes everything. Are we there? Are we willing to walk in that? I ask myself as much as anybody else. Isn't it good to know that God lives in us to do through us what we could never do on our own? Isn't it good to know that God's the one who leads us and grows us and deals with our sin, our flesh, that he's victorious in our lives as we yield and submit to him and that as we say yes to Christ, Christ through us will be revealed that it's in his strength, it's in his time, it's in his wisdom, it's in his leadership for his glory that we have the privilege of walking with him, following him, trusting him in everything. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.